Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. All right. You ready to get... You better come in. You're going to miss it all. I'm going to say what we need to do in the next two minutes, then you'll miss it all. You like my hairstyle? Yeah. Well, you can only have, you can only have hair or brains. You can't have both. Well, that's for that's for men. Well, either that or my 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 wife rubs my head too much. Or or hits my head too much. Yeah, she like she pats me like I you know. All right. So um, since you're here, I'll give you um. This is to help you with. Uh, your husband and wife relationship, all right? So a man and his wife were having some problems at home, and what they did is they used the silent treatment as their way of uh, getting even at the other person. So they wanted to see how long one person could be silent over the other. So um, the husband got really upset at the wife, and so he went silent treatment on her. And so on the second day of the silent treatment, he realized that he had to catch a plane to go somewhere, and the man and he realized he had to get up at five a.m. in the morning to get catch a plane in the morning. So what he did is, so he wouldn't break the silence, he wrote this note to his wife, said, um, "Wake me up at five a.m. and put it on the table." Well, eight o'clock came and he woke up and he he totally missed his flight. He was he was infuriated even more. He was mad. So he got out of bed, and he looked over to his, his uh, nightstand, and he saw there was a little note. It said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> Isn't that funny? So that's, uh, that's what you need to do when you, have your, when you have your silent treatment. Just write notes, right? All right. Okay, so uh, it's time to hit, to pass out those cards, Stephanie. It's <laughs> time to pass. Can I have one? Can, let me let me one. Yes, please. Everybody gets one. Everybody that paid. <laughs> That's just a joke. All right, everybody's gonna get a little card. If you somebody help you pass it out. So you can get them all out. Yeah, have somebody. Here, he's going to help you pass them out. All right, so everybody's going to get this card. It's going to have uh, that information on it. So I want you to realize that, remember now, if 
if you're, if somebody is standing in front of you or yourself, because you're a smart person, you're created uh, in God's image, you're wonderfully made, that means, and you're a new creation, especially when you accept Jesus, it makes no sense why you have something that's not of God, correct? Right. All right, so we need to then, if somebody's standing in front of you, or for yourself, take this for yourself, then we need to get rid of it. Your condition was given to you, and it becomes a part of you. The only problem, the only thing that's stopping you now is how do you get rid of it? Like, why do I have this? All right? Okay, so... Um, Okay, so basically the card is, so you have in front of you this card. I want you to put it on the prayer side first, all right? And uh, so now the first part, uh, prayer for healing, um, and I'm not going to go over that really extensively because if you don't know how to pray or haven't gone through some prayer time, just step one, and this is, by the way, all this stuff is in my book, Breaking Emotional Barriers to Healing, the green book. So you would first ask the person, so just briefly, so you have a person in front of yourself, you can just ask them their name, well, I mean, you can do this with yourself also, and what do they need prayer for? So you want to ask them what the amount that they feel, what's going on in their mind and body. Ask them what they feel because of what they have, zero to ten. Now, um, I do recommend that you ask them how much do they feel, zero to ten, so you have a measuring stick. Most people are trained to not ask that, but I recommend it because when you ask them, how do you, once you pray with them, when you ask them how do they feel, you have something to go by. But I tell you, to be honest, most Christians, when they pray, they don't want to ask that question because they're afraid if they don't get healed. They don't know what to do next. So most people don't ask, how do you feel now? So because, this is, because they are going to get healed, you want to, might as well ask. Cause if, so I want to tell you this. So when you pray for somebody, this is going to help you to relieve you so you won't get so nervous. If you pray for somebody, if they get healed, can you take the glory? If you pray for somebody and they don't get healed, can you take the disappointment? Hmm, then it's a win-win situation. Then it, right? Helen? Yeah, so you would ask them, like, well, uh, you could ask them where the pain is and basically what's the pain like. So tell them, get an idea, is the pain, uh, uh, you know, what is the feeling? First of all, definitely, is it hurtful? Is it really painful? Is it a throbbing pain? And how much do you feel at zero to ten? Okay? So you basically want to ask them the amount you have, zero to ten, and then you would simply command in the name of Jesus the feeling and condition to go to Jesus in his name, right? And then you'd ask him, so for all intents and purposes, and most trainings are this way, when you pray for healing, you just simply ask for the healing, right? And that, because Jesus wants you to be healed and you have all the power and the authority in Jesus, so just ask for it, correct? Yeah. Now, and then you'd go back and then ask them, at number four, ask, uh, what are you feeling now, zero to 10? And really, for all intents and purposes, with the amount of power you have, shouldn't they be healed? 
if God heals anytime, anybody, anywhere, anytime, or anywhere, right? All right, now, and that's what I want to stand on. I believe that. But the point is, that what if they don't? Then we don't know what to do. Yes? Yeah, that's what number two is. That's right. So number two is ask them about their condition. Just ask them to, and they don't have to. There's some people that don't really want to know because they want God to tell them, and that is perfectly fine. However you're trained, in fact, you don't even have to use one through four to step that step one. You don't even have to, because if you have another way, if you Sozo or RTF or Healing Rooms or Elijah House, it doesn't, whatever it is, do it, all right? So, if, so the issue is if they don't get healed, what do you do? That's where you go number two. All right? Any questions else? Because that's where we want to focus. Yes? Oh, if I do? No, I know. I'm saying, like, I'm saying the person who's praying. Yeah, whether it's me, you, whoever. If I have something in myself, will that hinder them? Mm-hmm. It can. Um, so, like uh, for example, even the approach. Uh, so I have people. Um, so Smith Wilgensworth, he was a man, a strong man of healing, an incredible man of faith. He was a plumber that just decided to start healing people. Right? He was illiterate actually. So he um, learned and he prayed. He was a, such a man of faith. He said, "If if you don't have faith, if you don't sense the faith is there in the person, create the faith." So I had a woman one time that was, um, uh, anyway, I prayed for her and nothing seemed to happen. She had a lot of anxiety. Uh, she had a lot of pain, fibromyalgia pain. She had a car accident years ago. You know, so much pain. She was on um, Valium a couple times a day. And so when I prayed for her, I didn't sense anything happening. And, and I didn't feel a connection. I didn't feel like God was doing something. And she was more deadpan. I, and I asked her, I said, do you, do you feel like God wants to heal you? And she paused and says, I feel like, I don't feel that God wants to heal me. I feel like um, that uh, I'm, I'm that thorn in the flesh. Okay, so, or my, my pain is the thorn in the flesh. So believing that, and the thorn in the flesh, by the way, and you can look in, um, and I talk about that in the book, in Randy Clark's book, uh, Finding Emotional, Finding Victory When Healing Doesn't Happen. And um, the thorn was not a physical issue. It was a spiritual issue. It was a spirit that was coming on. And it, actually, there's some thoughts in other writings that it was actually a person against him, uh, th- uh, against his ministry, not a physical issue. And it was they were tormenting him and following him around as he ministered and tormenting him. That's what that is. And so, so I, I asked, so I told her, ex- explain what the thorn of flesh was, is that's not for what you have. And really, when you think about it, so if, if any of you have children, or you have nieces or nephews, would you want them to be in pain? No. Would you want them to suffer? No. So wait a minute, so if God loves your children and you way more than you love your own kids, why would he want that for you? That's child abuse. But why do people not get healed? Why do they die? I don't know. 
All I know is that we got to give as much chance as we can for why it's blocked. And that's what I do all day. I just sit in my office and just watch God heal people. It's an awesome thing to do. And you can do this. You can do. I have nothing that you don't have, really. I just happen to do it more often. Look, just do it the Nike way. Right? Just do it. Cause, and the more you do it, the more it'll happen. And uh, okay, so I declare over you in the name of Jesus, Hebrews 11.6, right now in the name of Jesus, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's what it says. So why wouldn't he be a man of his word? Just do it. Just do it. Right? I'm trying to think of my own saying, you know, like, anyway. Okay, so... <laughs> Okay, so let's go to number two. All right, so let's say they're not healed. And by the way, uh, in step one, if, um, if, they, if there's some movement, continue to do that. All right, but if you want to go further, so what you do is number two is um, you want to ask about, um, let me get to that. Oh. Okay, so uh, this is one more thing I need to mention. It's on the, on the board. So, um, so what you want to do is, uh, my praying with people is after you would pray them originally, uh, uh, the prayer number one through four, and then um, in the book, by the way, there's a five and a six step, but this makes it a little simpler. And then ask about unforgiveness, about their unbelief, and then their sin and uh, unhealthy spirits, like, like demonic. Just, but get, just get rid of it, because you think about it. One thing you've got to recognize is that um, unforgiveness, unbelief, sin, and, and uh, demonic is really, do you know that those are all original emotional origins? So why do people not forgive? Wh why, do I hold, why do I hold a grudge and not want to forgive a person? Because uh, I'm still emotionally hurt and I don't want to forgive them. It's emotion. Why did a person not believe? It's because of what happened in childhood, and I believe the same thing in adulthood. It's an emotional issue because of what I didn't get and I'm hurt, right? Why do I sin? Now you think about it. If you're a smart person and you're really with it and you're mature, why would you sin? You wouldn't. It's because there's something that I'm mad about or I don't care. You know why people don't care? It's because I'm depressed enough but I don't care. It's because people have not treated me well or I'm hurt enough that the emotion from the hurt stops my being able to care about something that I should. It's emotion. So what about ungodly spirits or unhealthy spirits or, or demonic? <laughs> Look, once you're a born-again Christian, especially if you put aside, I already told you, put aside um, tradition or um, generational curses and spells, other than that, Everything emotional and physical, that's the primary, not, not, this, not demonic. The, the, Satan's already defeated. I have to be really careful about this because people uh, make their living off of de uh, deliverance, which is fine. And I, I'm not against deliverance. In fact, I'm all for it. Just go the next step. Get rid of the emotion. Otherwise, it'll come back. All right? So, but guess what? Emotion is primary. So my point is, try all that first. Get rid of all that, the unforgiveness, unbelief, sin, and demonic. Just 
In the name of Jesus, sin be gone. I had a woman, I was praying for her. This is in my office. Uh, it was actually someplace else, and she was just sitting there, and she was praying for, she was a pastor's wife. She was praying against some things that happened long ago, and she then, uh, she goes, oh, did you see that? And actually, I sensed something in the spirit go by. She said, that's the spirit. So actually, well, the hair in the back of my head went up, you know, but because she says that. And I said, wait a minute, that's not right. In the name of Jesus, be gone. In the name of Jesus. And everything just changed. So it's really simple to do because you have to carry the authority. In my book, um, Breaking Emotional Barriers, in the green book, I do talk about carrying the authority. So your question about if I don't carry, why did Jesus, and I don't remember the actual passage, but why did he tell the, the mourning women to leave when he was going to pray for the, the child that was sick, cold, dead? Because he had to get him, get him out because it was changing the atmosphere, all right? So he didn't want that in the place. So that's, you need to decide that. You have to change the atmosphere. Anyway, so once you do that, because it, so... By the way, that stuff's not going to change anyway. You can release it, whatever is spiritual, but then you still need to go after the emotion, all right? Okay, so then what you do is uh, you would say to the person, so I call it, I'll go to the next one. It's called expanding your search. This is in the book. So what you're doing is, when did you first have this condition or feeling? So this is, anybody familiar with the old theophostic? Okay, that's what this is. I mean, Ed Smith just created Theophastic, okay? So it, it's still worth it. It's very good. I'm just saying, but that's just, just ask the words you feel first feel this. Now, so you're going to get two responses. You're going to get either a response of a known trauma or unknown trauma. So what I'm trying to do is make this real simple so that you're not stumped. So you're going to have somebody in front of them, and they say, when did this happen? Tell us a little bit about when you think this happened. It's called expanding your search. And it's gonna either they're going to give you a known trauma. Okay, this happened, and that's when I felt it. Or I don't know. I just, my pain in my pelvis just started a pain in my back, and I don't know. It's one of those two responses. So known trauma is when the event or some kind of some, or person caused it, and they can identify that. All right, so a known trauma. A woman with severe back pain had an auto accident. 33 years ago, she had four herniated discs, two herniated, two, um, two herniated discs. She had two herniated discs in her neck. Four was in her back, two in her neck. Had constant pain at a seven with, with meds. She was on 400 milligrams of pain meds a day. So we first prayed for the back, and there was no change. So just, she described the accident, and then she began to cry. She released the fear of being trapped in the car, I think this is the woman, she was trapped in the car upside down in, in uh, water, okay? And so the pain, so when I did that, the, the pain went down to three. Right, that's why you want to ask, so you have an idea. And so that encourages them, gives me an idea that we're on the right track. So what I did is the back injury caused then the, the right leg to be shorter. Do people know how to, how to lengthen legs? Okay, just how many know how to lengthen legs? Okay, that's cool. I'll show you how to do that. Remind me a little, little later. We'll do that. Uh, anybody has a back injury? We'll just do. We'll just do it. We'll just do it the Nike way. Okay. So anyway, so we lengthened out the leg, and when that happened, it, we, it's what the chiropractors do. What they do is they adjust it, and then they bring it out because it's it's off. 
uh, for, for whatever reason and because of her accident. When that does it, and I just hold them, and God just does that. Because, and that's pretty simple stuff. So when that happened, uh, the, link, the legs lengthened, the pain went down to two, and then she forgave the other driver. The pain automatically then was eliminated, and she now is totally pain-free, and you know, that, that was that. Okay, the next one is known tra unknown trauma. So they can't identify who or what happened or what caused it. And usually it's a suppressed memory of something that happened a long time ago. And the earlier the memory, usually the worse it is and the more they hold on to it. So for two months, a woman was having spasms in her leg at night and could not extend it. It was very tight uh, and painful at a two, zero to, two, zero to 10 scale. And restricted use uh, from just using her legs and just walking and so on. I asked her what happened two to three months ago. Remember, she gave me a time frame. Use the time frame. It's usually within, uh, uh, usually within a, if it's months, go a month before or two, or two before. If it's years, go within a year before. So you asked what happened two to three months ago because uh, she said she was traveling to another city alone the people in the city were rude, and they were um, felt, she felt lonely. Uh, she had no, uh, no relationship there, and she just felt alone. Um, no one was there for her. She asked God, uh, I asked God, uh, what's, and she said, what's wrong with me, God? I asked what was making her feel this way at that time. What, what else was making her feel that way? She said, she felt that um, she felt abandoned and no one was there for her in this new place that she had gone to. God took her. I said, where did you first feel that? Now, remember now, a person that feels that way, and, okay, I'm going to talk about that. So I'll talk about how I got there in a moment. So she, she, I asked her, where did you first feel like that before, abandoned? Because Remember, this person in front of me is a born-again Christian, I found that out, a mature person, pretty wise, articulate, able to share with me what's going on. I'm thinking to myself, why are you feeling abandoned if you have a relationship with God? So automatically, that's a childhood issue. Like, why would they feel that? All right? So anyway, we went back to childhood, and she said, um, I was a normal baby, but premature. And I thought there was something wrong with me throughout childhood. Thinking of childhood, she said it was a cold time. She felt abandoned, not loved, unwanted, alone a lot, sad, from living in that home. So typically, if you don't, um, if a person goes to home and they can't see something, the best thing to do is have them pretend like, like in Theophostic, what's good about it is that you can go back to a particular time. But the problem is the more trauma the more it's a way of life. I can't go back to an event because it was a way of life. It wasn't a trauma. So just tell them to go back to what was, so I say, pretend like you're watching a movie, a movie of you. You're the star in the movie. What would it be like to have you in that home with parents like that? And that's what she told me. You know, alone, abandoned, not loved. So we released each one of those to Jesus, and I'll explain how to do that. And she felt better. The pain had halfway gone down, but she still couldn't extend her knee. So I said, think of years later what would be like still living that with your parents now as a teenager. So you're just continuing it. She didn't feel supported. Uh, so we released that of emotion, again, putting Jesus there as her support person. 
and the, the knee got looser and looser, and before you know what, it was all totally healed. All the, everything was totally healed. Now, and this, by the way, this was done over the phone, which a lot of that happens because guy, it's not a, he's not a he, there's no distance for my, for him. So what you want to do is so you want to ask them to uh, describe the feelings while they're living with it. All right, so for a known trauma. You go to the where it happened. For an unknown trauma, just ask them what it was like to live with that. All right? What was it like to live with where is he going? I, she said lonely, sad, abandoned. And then you think then then what you do is then you go to number two. So in uh, so in one A, which is uh, on your card, so this this is not really difficult. All you're doing is asking them. Do you know when this happened? Either yes or no. If you know when it happened, just tell you. When they tell you about it, then go to two. Ask them what the amount of emotion you had, just like you did before, in, in your mind and body. It wasn't like being in that car, and they'll tell you. And then and, and if it's unknown, just what was it like to live with that? And then when they tell you, go to two. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? And I'll show you. We're going to do a demonstration, all right? So now, here's, the, here's what really becomes important. So the key now is the fastest way to, to find out to get rid of this is to go to the origin. So you ask Holy Spirit to guide you. So as the person's talking, listen to the words that describe the condition. This is what I was telling you before. The person said that... Um, especially no matter whether it was known or unknown, but the unknown especially because you don't really know where to go. So they said, I felt alone and abandoned and uh, not welcome in the city where I moved to. And so I listened to what she said. The words will give away the origin of the event. So if you're looking at this person and they're telling you these words, then chances are there's something not right because why is this person who's of God feeling this way, Right? So usually a person will react, if you hear words like I doubt, can't, unfair, afraid, hopeless, helpless, stuck. Now, hopeless, helpless, stuck, and restricted are typically movement issues, right? Okay, hopeless, uh, um, not good enough, unloved, unworthy, is typically abandoned and somebody didn't love me issues, all right? It's still childhood. And inadequate, stupid, dumb, usually it's because something was happening in my life that would make me feel that way. Because think about it. If you really are wonderfully made and you're God's and you're a new creation, you have everything Jesus has. I mean, this is, you've got 1 Corinthians 3.16, that you've got everything he has. The spirit dwells within you, remember? Well, if that's the case, why would you feel that way? It's because somebody gave it to you, like my sixth grade teacher. It could be as subtle as that. And I would still be carrying that around if I didn't do something about it. And that would be in my work. It may be how I feel about working with my wife, my kids, whatever. And you see that in people. That's why I automatically know this is not an adult issue. It's not a, it's, this is not rocket scientist. It's just typical, like, wow. And you're feeling now, and the more you do it, the more it'll become easier to do it, right? Any questions about that?
good question. A good question. Okay. And by the way, you remind me, tonight at 7, I mean, invite people if you live in the area and so on. I'm, tonight I'm going to do more of this where you can bring up a situation. And, uh, you know, well, if this is happening, what would you normally do? Or like questions like that. Question and answer, I'm going to do more demonstration, more healing. And either by t this afternoon or tonight, everybody can be healed. All right? Because Stephanie's going to help me. <laughs> and, and Laura's going to help me. And, and Holly's going to help me. Okay, so to answer your question, so that, has, that happens often enough. So number one, the fact that I don't feel, because feeling is, should be a normal, even Jesus felt. Feeling how I feel should be a normal way of living. If I don't feel, it's because someone did something to me or how I lived that wasn't allowing me to do that. So that's my first inclination that it's a childhood issue. Second is that what you do is you would have them go back to when it did happen and then ask you, I'd, I'd say to you, so let's just say, I don't know, something happened, and, and um, I'd say, what do you think it would be like when you saw a child like that? And by the way, your spirit would tell you anyway. Unless you're, unless you're um, being rebellious, not you personally, but like, I don't want to go there because it's too painful. That'd be the other reason. Uh, so what you do is you go where you can and just start with that. And I'm going to show how to do that, all right? But still a good question. So if, if they go back to a time when, um, especially in childhood, and a lot of happens, that's called, the, that often happens when I, the more trauma I have, the less I'm going to feel it or want to go there. That's called disassociation. That's where, um, when it's so traumatic, I disassociate my, my feelings from my body. The more extreme of that, the old saying used to be uh, multiple personality disorder. Now it's called DID, which is dissociative identity disorder. Well, I mean, not that you have that, but that'll be the extreme case. You know, like I'm dissociating everything because it was so painful. So that one, you're gonna definitely need to bring some, you'll learn about that in a moment. All right, does that make sense? All right, so um, I had a woman, so, uh, I was at a conference. I was doing a conference with several other people in Chicago years, several years ago. Okay, so the conference was was Wednesday night to Saturday night. So um, uh, so this woman came up to me. No, actually, it was Thursday morning to Saturday night. So the woman came up to me Thursday morning and said, can you pray for me? I said, uh, yeah, well, when we get a moment, we'll get to that point. So um, I... So Friday night, I couldn't get to her because there was so many people there. So Friday night, she comes up to me uh, after it was over and my ride was waiting to take me back to the uh, hotel. She said, will you pray with me? So we're, in, we're right in the middle of everything. There's people all the way around us. I said, because um, she, she couldn't be there the next day. So I said, sure, I'd be glad to pray with you. So I said, what was, what was going on? It was right in the middle. We're just standing right there. She said, I, she said, I feel helpless, unloved, I didn't know how to feel loved her whole life. Um, she felt depressed and she felt anxious. <laughs> and you could see this on her. I mean, it was pretty, pretty, pretty heavy. And so that's a lot of stuff. It's just it's like, boom, this is what I got. So obviously I was praying the Lord to guide me with this. So I said to her, Holy Spirit, 
take her back to where she first felt exactly what she said. And that's what I do. Use their words to just take them back. That's basically theophastic, all right? Take them back to where they need to go. So God took her, and this happens often enough. She went back to her mother's womb. She saw herself in her, wo- in her mother's womb. And in her mother's womb, her father died. Her father died while she was in her mother's womb. And so there was one loss. And the mother was so distraught and overwhelmed by that when, the, when the, she, this woman was born, the mother had a mental health breakdown because of that loss. And so the, the baby, this woman, went to foster care. And so, so what I asked her to do is, let me share with you when you do this. And I'll, tell, I'll show you right now how to deal with womb stuff. So you got somebody in front of you. I don't know if everybody can see me. So you got somebody in front of you, and, there's, and if they go back to the womb, I'll ask them to put their hand on their stomach and out like this or as low as possible like this, so, you're, so it's metaphoring the, the, the womb. I will I'll get permission, and I'll put my hand on their back. If my wife's there, I'll have her put it on her stomach, and I'll put my on my head. I have them visualize Jesus there putting his hand on the womb. That's why I'd love to have my wife's hand here, but I put it on the back for obvious reasons, or I'll, and I'll put it on the head. So Jesus is touching the head and the child. And so what I do is I then release, in the name of Jesus, I release what she's feeling, all right? I, I, I say those words. In the name of Jesus, I release hopelessness, uh, feeling depressed, feeling sad. We release that off of you right now, first person, right now, off of you now in the name of Jesus. And then what I do is I have her say, um, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you, Mom, for making me feel, and she repeats all that, all right? And by the way, this is, this is not an exact science. Whatever God leads you to do, you're just getting rid of the stuff that she's telling you. That's really all you're doing. So she can do it, or I can do it, or we both do it. So release, I, in the name of Jesus, I forgive you, Mom, for, uh, for bringing to me anxiety, depression, hopelessness, and helplessness, and let it go in the name of Jesus. It's not part of me anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for my healing, and then I will just instill love I'll just go the opposite. Love, abandoned by, like, for example, um, this, um, adoption is the, is the opposite of abandonment. And obviously, uh, you know, lo- love is the opposite of being unloved, that kind of a thing. So what to do is, so what I'll do is, uh, as I'm doing that, I'll have her then hug herself like this. I'll either put my hands on her shoulders, or I'll have my wife do it in front of her, or I'll have her do it as I'm speaking good things. So this is releasing releasing the, the, the negative, and then I have her hug herself, instilling the positive. So Jesus is, she's seeing Jesus now giving her a hug. You could do it either way, but giving her a hug, and then I'll touch her on her shoulder, and I'll tell you why we do that in a moment. And then I'll, I'll, I'll instill that. So you release and then instill, all right? You have to do that. So you don't want to go with something empty. And when, he, when I did that, she was crying the whole time, and when we got done, she had this huge smile on her face. The whole thing took about 10 minutes. It is awesome. God, God's awesome. I just kind of hang around watching it. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so if you hear the words, if you hear any of the negative words, it doesn't seem to fit them. Like, why would they have that? 
to his just childhood. Just go back there anyway. Okay, so uh, let's go to um, the next one here. There you go. Okay, so what you want to do is you want to combine. So once you, um, they will, you want to combine the condition of what you see and hear. Okay, so remember, remember the grid that we went through before, the grid of the, the back and the, the, the shoulders and everything. So I'm talking to a person right in front of me and they say they have a shoulder problem. Now, I know that that shoulder uh, has to do with, shoulder problems have to do with, oh, by the way, I'll just ask you, what are shoulders used for? Carrying things, right. So it's burden bearing. So if a person, so remember now, if you have Jesus in your heart, you have the most available power and authority as possible. Hmm, why are you, so I'm thinking to myself, why are you carrying around all these burdens? It's because the person was taught that. It's mostly with, uh, mostly with women who are firstborn or f older, the oldest women, and it's mostly uh, people that are also the oldest in the family. Women are born as nurturers. So typically, if something's not happening in the home, girls will take on that responsibility, believing that if I helped it, I'll be loved. Especially if I'm not loved, I need to do something to make the family happy or to get myself love or to get my siblings love because they're not happy. So I take on that responsibility. The earlier it is, the more I learn this responsibility. Again, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they should go and the way when they get older, that's the way they're going to be doing it. And so uh, the rest of my life, I learned to take on. And then we typically marry women, marry men that need to be mothered, and then they take on more responsibility. And then about by the time they're 20, when the kids are older, they're teens, they say, I don't like this anymore. I don't know why you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And, uh, <laughs> and then they come to my office. <laughs> and then I'll say to them, uh, then they'll say to me, my husband won't love me. He won't take responsibility. And a lot of other choice words like that, or worse, okay. And then I'll ask the wife, I'll say, I'll say to him, you know you married him like that. It's because you had your issues, he had his, but neither of you saw it. So when he asked you, did he have a gun to your head? I don't actually say this, this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> did he have a gun to your head when he, when he asked you to marry him? No. no. Then why did you marry him? Because I really needed to take care of somebody to replace what my parents didn't. So I needed someone to love, to get them to love me in a way that my parents never loved me. So you're the husband or the person like that is the substitute for what you couldn't do for your parents, what you tried to do through him. All right? And then about 20, when your kids are older, our children replace our, our purpose. And then by the time, typically about 12-ish, by the 12 to 15, when my kids don't need me anymore, I then go back to the husband or whichever, husband or wife, and I look to them to give me what I never got from them that the children replaced. And then the husbands are saying, because it's happened for so long, you've been, the husband's been mothered for so long, they think that's normal. And then now when you ask them to pick up the responsibility and do more, they say, what's the problem? Everything's fine. 
It's because you've been doing everything. The wife's been doing everything. That's why everything's fine. And now they come to my office and they have a big spat because the guy, see, women, I'll, I'll be real honest. Women are born nurturing. Men are born selfish. I'm just telling you, because I was too. Yeah, I was too. I tell you, in my, in my book, uh, When Your Mate's Emotionally Unavailable, there's a story in there that um, when I, I did all the work, my wife and I went out for a year and a half. I, I, this is really a rabbit trail, but... Okay, so we went out for a year and a half, and I did all the right things. Hugged her, and we went to concerts, and, you know, my first date was seeing... Uh, on, anyway... So we, I did all the things. So she said yes and married me. Do you know that the day after I get married, I stopped hugging her, literally. And, and we went to counseling that first year. She felt abandoned. And I didn't realize the counselor helped me realize that I knew how, men are pursuers, by the way. Gary Smalley talks about this. Men are pursuers, but when we get what we want, we stop pursuing because we don't need to because we know how to pursue, but we don't know how to maintain, especially if we weren't given it. See, my mom was a Depression-era woman in an abusive home. She never hugged us. She was an excellent provider, but she was not a good lover. So because of that, I could pursue my wife to, to, to love her, to get what I wanted, but I didn't know how to maintain it because my mom didn't teach me that. All right, so that's that's a whole nother seminar. Ooh. Okay, just invite me back and we'll do more of that. All right, so so, all right, so we're talking about um, conditions. Okay, so so you got this person in front of you uh, that has a shoulder. Okay, so shoulder is responsibility. Okay, um, so if you have a person that responsibility, that's because they learned that somewhere. Okay, why would you have it? If it's a neck issue. It's tip, neck is usually is balance and structure, right? And uh, whenever I'm at a, whenever I do a seminar, and I'm, I'm, uh, when I ask who's got uh, neck issues, hundred percent, hundred percent, I ask them who's the biggest pain in their neck in their life. <laughs> they tell me we would get rid of that, not the person, the pain. Okay. <laughs> when well, we get rid of the pain in the neck, the pain in the neck literally goes, literally. Well, the other issue is, um, um, the biggest one is back. Uh, the, the, the spinal column is the, is the um, most important for uh, structure, for uh, sitting, standing, walking. You ought to do any of that unless you have a back that's firm, right? So you need that support from your back. And guess what is the the, uh, the, the, the emotional condition that stops backs from being healed is a lack of emotional support in your life. It could go back 30 years. So um, I, the, the miraculous thing that was healed uh, that she read in my um, introduction was, uh, okay, I worked in college. Uh, to get through college, to pay for it, I worked in the kitchen all four years or did something as work study. So my first two years, I would be working in uh, slop sinks, pulling up mashed potato pots. They're huge pots, the big metal things. And so my, I think it was my second year, my back went out. 
It just, ugh. So I had to go to the hospital, went to the ER. It was never the same since. For 30 years, I had back injuries, back problems on and off. And one day, um, anyway, so one day I went to a church that did healing. This is probably many years ago, and it was miraculously healed. So um, several years later, because uh, it's been a while now, and it's been, it goes out every once in a great while only, but one time, only if I don't exercise a lot of times. So one time, um, it was out because either either sat wrong or something, and my wife prayed for it, and we tried to do, do the leg thing, to, but nothing worked. So she says to me, because in her wisdom, she said, Craig, is there something that you're not feeling supported about? Is there something that I'm doing, she's saying. And I said, well, that was the year I was going to go on a trip. Uh, I was doing a ministry trip overseas. And so I said, yeah, now that I think of it, it's really because I'm, I'm feeling bad about leaving and you're not going with me. So we talked about it. We talked about how she felt, how I felt about it. We worked it out. It didn't take long. Anyway, then we prayed one time for the legs and it came right out and it was healed. There's a lot of people I pray for that and there's maybe a, they weren't loved by their mother or father like 40 years ago. It, and it comes out sooner or later because emotion sticks, stays inside of you. All right, so, so this example that you're seeing up on the board there uh, on the screen, for example, the back, no support. So you'd go back to that particular time and who did not support you in your life? So you'd ask him that question, all right? So this is especially for unknown healing or the shoulder pain, where, where did you feel it? And, and the foot or, or the knee, like where did you feel restricted? And those words come up and say, when did you feel that way in your life? Or you could have them go back to a movie seeing that, where did they see that? So just, it's really conversation, all right? Does that make sense? Any questions of that? All right, so let's go to the next one that's really the most important, among the most important. This is number three. So once you identify where it is and where they are, this is number three is you picture uh, someone that's safe. You want to picture a safe person protecting you. Okay, so this is a, one of the most key things that you need to understand. And this is why people don't get healed. What I, what I told you up to, up to now is primarily setting the stage of what's going on inside of you that's not being healed. This next step is why we typically don't get healed. All right. So let's just say something happened in your life, definitely as a child, usually from 15 on down, right? definitely under nine down. So when something happens, we typically feel unsafe and something will hurt us, we'll be wounded, there'll be a trauma. Like seeing my parents argue, which is a really a big one, and I feel unsafe because they're my world, or I see my father hurt my brother, or whatever it is, or something in school, whatever the unsafe is, either myself or somebody else, I've got to do something with that because that will then, if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to do anything with it. If there was nobody with me to help me let it go, I'm not going to let that feeling go. So I'm going to hold on to that feeling. You need to have somebody. So what you do is you ask them, think, is there somebody in your life back then or now that you can think of that's safe? that was safe in your life, that you could put between you and the incident. So it could be, uh, now, I'll be honest, I don't start with Jesus. All right? And that's what most people do. It's true, because, because we're taught to start with Jesus. And the reason why I don't, because I've learned this over years, 
is that how many of you have had a personal, deep feeling of comfort experience with Jesus like you would with a human being? Right? Some of you, right? But most of the people you work with don't. But as a as a uh, authority figure and as a healer, they're gonna. When I say think of Jesus, they're gonna say yes. They're gonna put Jesus there. But if I don't, if I, if I'm mad at Jesus because he wasn't there when I was beaten, they're not gonna tell me that right away. Or if I know that that's what I want to hear, they're gonna put him there. If they don't feel safe, they're not gonna let it go. Now Jesus can take it away. Don't don't get me wrong. I believe he can take it away in a moment's notice, and that does happen. But that's my sense. I got what I'm hearing from them. You know, if this is um this is a, a Holy Spirit issue. So what I'll do is I'll say because I'll say what about a grandparent, aunt or an uncle, or a, or a really good friend, or pastor, somebody you know. I, I don't use the mother or father, because typically they're the ones. Even if they want them to be the one they were loved by, a lot of times they they not. So. So they'll put that person there. A good friend could be a spouse. Hopefully that's true. Or a good friend. Uh, they could put Jesus. Now, so I want to have the comfort person with them on one side, and then you can put Jesus in there on the other side as their power. Now, you can have them all there, right? You can have them. He can be for everything, right? But a lot of times they're not, and I want to move ahead really fast. At least that's what I do. So what I do is I, so here's the point. At, when a person is there, so Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. Now he wants us to have that and that's the metaphor of what we need to do is by having him there but, and giving it to him. But uh, if they're mad at Jesus or they're not comfortable, they've never literally felt comforted by him, and they're not going to do it. So you want to find somebody. Somebody says, what if nobody's, what if, I literally have people that they have nobody that they trust, nobody that they're connected to. If that's the case, then think of them, in a, and it's in the book, uh, think of like you're in a bubble. You're in a glass bubble, a plexiglass bubble that's really, really thick, and then Jesus is with you. So you have the safety of the bubble and the power of Jesus. It still works. You just know how to create safety because <coughs> The person that hurt me <coughs> or circumstance that hurt me is still in me. I still feel afraid. Why do you think, why wouldn't a person let it go? Because the fear of what happened is still there. That's why we don't let it go. So you realize using, so this is called, so you would have to see the person there and then you'd have them put their hands across their chest. That's called a love hug. You're just creating an experience to help them feel something that they never felt. So, so what happens is I need to allow that person to let go of something in a way by making a, create a safety in a way they never did, all right? Give me an example. So you're, a, you're an adult and your kids are two, three, four, five years old, right? Very innocent children. By the way, the same thing that Jesus wanted us to do, he wanted us to... Um, bring the children to me. He wants us to be like little children. He wants the innocence like them. So our children literally 
they, you're running, we're outside doing something or inside and they're, they're running and then you fall, they skin their knee and they start crying, maybe even wailing, okay, because it really hurts. So I'll go up to them and say, come here, come here. And I, and I give them a hug and I, and I pat them on the back, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. And tell me what happened. And even if I saw it, I wanna hear about it or they'll tell you, is because so-and-so did this, or my friend at school did this or that, or I, I fell down. What they're doing is by you, you're creating love and hug, and you're also helping them process it out. Remember what I told you about processing? So when they tell you about what's going on, they're telling you how they, they're crying it out, which is processing out the hurt. They're telling you by processing out the words and they're, they're, they're going from here to here. They're giving it to you. So I don't have to carry this burden. And they're feeling loved and they're giving them a little love pat at the same time. Now, how long will they hold on to that hurt before they become happy again? 10 seconds, under a minute, right? Do you know why I have a lot of people in my office? Because this didn't happen to them. Look, the more this didn't happen, the more you're gonna have problems. So I need to create safety in such a way that this is what they experience, to let go of something that was so easy back then. You know how easy that is? Kids just, why are kids so joyous and so happy? It's because they can let it go. You know, when, they, when we stop them from letting it go because of hurt, abuse, yelling, or when it stopped, when we saw it stop, or we became afraid, that's when life became difficult. That's all. So we need to create that. That is really the essence, the essence of this whole thing. That's why you're gonna, that's why just add this to what you already do. Whether you're counseling somebody, whether you're doing ministry, just create safety and then do what you do and it'll, it'll just come out like fast, like a little child. Does that make sense? Let me explain how to do it. So what happens is the love hug and the little love pat. So this is the love hug. So I'm feeling that warmth and hug. So you're having them actually do this. Um, I can, my wife will sometimes put her hands here or I will put my hands. It creates an experience of comfort, safety, and love. It breaks down the walls of the stronghold of fear, so I'm not afraid anymore because I'm comforted. That's why you want to find somebody who comforts you. You literally have experienced, I've had people that use like their, their, their childhood pet because I felt more comfort from them than I did my, my parents. It also stimulates the sensory nerve endings to produce feel-good chemicals, and I'll mention that. What we don't realize is that when we touch their, touch them, when, and obviously we did this a lot more before this, this thing they call COVID. <laughs> okay, so in Mark sixteen eighteen it says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So when Jesus touches them, when we touch them, the touch stimulates the sensory nerve endings and the brain, and it produces feel-good chemicals. Pain receptors calm the brain and the body, heightening the feelings of safety, comfort, and love. By the way, newborns need touch. 
or they'll die. That's a true statement. So uh, when I worked in a hospital, when I worked, one of the hospitals I worked in, I used to get calls. They called me right away when, when the parent, when the doctor gave the baby a failure for Thrive diagnosis, which means that the mother didn't want the baby. So, because they wanted to get uh, somebody, get me on the case right away so I could find the foster care home or get them placed somewhere early because if they don't, the, they know this more now than they did years ago, but that's why they will try to give them as much love as possible to replace what mom did because if they don't get it, they will literally wilt. Their soul will wilt and they literally will die. Yeah, that's a, that's a proven fact. It's in um, the same book, the Thomas Varney book. So, um, so we emotionally shut down and then we've become helpless. So just to let you know that in a, in a quarter, a, 50, a 25 cent piece, quarter size of skin, there's 1,200, I'm sorry, 12,000 nerve endings in a quarter size. So when you touch a person, and by the way, in a hand size, it's 120,000 nerve endings. When you touch a person, then it sends a message through the spinal column to the brain. I need to read this because it's just more than I've memorized. Touching stimulates the body and it creates a reaction in the brain releasing dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter, which, which releases adrenaline, which, which releases in endorphins, which is a pain suppressor, which then releases the, the pleasure chemical morphine, which is an opiate, which helps to release serotonin, which is a natural antidepressant. This happens within a millisecond by touching a person. <laughs> okay, so you got dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter, which then adrenaline, which, which releases adrenaline, which is adrenaline, by the way. It releases, that releases then endorphins, which is a pain suppressor. And then that releases the pleasure chemical morphine, which is an opiate. It helps then release serotonin, which is an antidepressant. So the hand can be either a traumatic, a hand touch can be either traumatic or healing. Right? So, and Mark, again, Mark 16, 18, that's, I, I mean, there's many reasons why, but lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So what you want to do, let's go back to the uh, card. So number four, then once you do that, you, you have that feeling of, of uh, safety, you, would you curse in the name of Jesus, you can curse, you can release, you can rebuke the emotional, uh, physical, cellular memory, trauma, sight memory. Again, all these are on there. All these emotional, physical, cellular, um, sight, memory. So this is eye gate trauma. This is ear gate trauma. And then you have, uh, when um, I got the cellular memory one actually from Joan because she's really big on that. She's really very good at what she does with that. So when you have a physical trauma, two things happen. It's not only a physical trauma, but it's primarily a cellular memory trauma. Now, um, I work with people that have post-surgical post pain. Okay, so what happens is post-surgical pain is where 
something has happened during that time because I could be under anesthesia, but they're cutting my skin. My skin is still going to remember that. So there was a guy that I had that had um, a knee surgery, and he's an older gentleman. He had knee surgery, and he still had pain after the surgery. He didn't know why. So I had him imagine him on the gurney. Now, a lot of these were, de- were out. We don't know. So you imagine him on the gurney. You imagine them having Jesus. So I asked permission. I put my hand on his knee, and I rebuked in the name of Jesus. I, re- I released the physical trauma and the emotional trauma from what happening and cellular memory trauma. And I saw seeing Jesus on there, release it in the name of Jesus, and the pain went away. And a lot of times it could be something that's happening before that. So again, we know exactly what's going on, but if, it, if, if typically when it's a known trauma and when you pray for it and it doesn't get healed, pray for it again, or it definitely goes down, but if it stops, it doesn't go lower than whatever number it is, then it's usually an earlier issue. It's a good earlier issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can have pain in one area, and then you pray for that pain, and then it moves to another area. They call that a spirit of infirmity. Uh, so that just means, like, you know, if if there's a demonic issue, just curse that in the name of Jesus. It's still an emotional origin, but it's still moving around. I've actually done that where I prayed for each place it went, and you release it. Eventually, it leaves, but it's still an emotional issue. The thing is, um. There's a lot of people I prayed for at conferences, and this is what Randy Clark and I talked about, is that we love seeing people heal, but, and they do get healed, when you're, and I call it moment healing. So in the moment, I'm, I'm caught up in I'm loving God's healing and everything, but then what happens is I go home, and then I go back to the stress, and things come back again, because I'm back in the emotional area. That was, you know. All right, so then, um, so once you release that in the name of Jesus, and you can have them go. So let me explain this. Two things that I want to teach you is, is this. Okay, so we have the, uh, the love hug, which is really the emotional comfort. And you can have the people literally seeing Jesus there with them and their comforter or just Jesus in, the, you know, in a bubble. And then if they, when they feel comforted, they can literally give, see them giving away to Jesus what they don't want to keep. The, only, the biggest reason why I'm still carrying something around is because I'm holding on to the very thing that I was given. But I was never safe enough to give it away because my mommy wasn't there to take this in a way that I would. Now, okay, so you're 15, 20, 30 years old and your mom's not there to do it anyway. But you still didn't feel safe because guess what? I learned not to release things because that's what I learned when I had trauma, then I had the emotion, then the belief. And if nobody's around, then I'm going to believe you don't give it away. And then I marry somebody that doesn't let me give it away. Who do I give it away to? Well, give it away to Jesus. Well, I don't know how to give it away. Well, now you do. You understand? It's really a matter of just knowing that it's something that I'm not supposed to have, and it's not your identity anymore, but I've got to learn how to give it away. Well, first, you've got to learn to be safe. Does that make sense? All right, so once you do it, so once you then, again, you go back to the, uh, oh, here it is. Okay, so going back to our card. So you picture the safe person, curse it in the name of Jesus to release. 
I've had people that leave. I've got a lot of, um, I've had a woman, in fact, I just saw her two days ago. Is she, um, I don't know, which, um, I think it was her hearing. Uh, her hearing, she couldn't hear very well, like 50% loss or something, and there was a difficulty in being able to shoot. So she uh, grew up with a father that was very abusive, and, and so that we shut down. She had, a, she had two husbands, they both were abusive, shut down. I had a boss that was a, shut down. So every time we shut down, so we went to every one of these places, and every time we released the emotion from that, being safe to release it, her hearing got better, and her, her hearing was restored right at that time because you shut down every time we do these people, and that's what we do. We shut off. That's what Alzheimer's is. We're shutting off because I don't want the world around me because it's so overwhelming. I mean, that's, that's what we do. Our body shuts down. That's what um, uh, immune um, deficiency is. That's what a lot of diseases are. I'm shutting down. Uh, Lyme's disease, we can't get rid of that because I'm shut down anyway. There's a lot. That, that, there's a whole. There's a lot of medical reasons for this. But if you combine the two, it's really difficult, right? Okay. Then you go and ask them. Um, so what is it? So five would be to declare the healing in the name of Jesus to instill the goodness, the opposite of what you have. Then six, ask them um, what they feel like. The zero to ten. And if it comes down, just go back and do more. Ask them for more things and release it. All right, I know this is pretty fast. Any questions about that? Right. Yeah, I'm just looking for one. I think I have a, so uh, I think it's in my. Anyway, so there's a woman that I prayed for the same thing. Uh, she had, um, she saw a lot of bad things. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, this is a woman that's a pastor in. I did. I was in Waco, Texas, uh, in January, and this woman who was a pastor there, she's probably pushing seventy, and I think she's legally blind. Uh, so I took her back to, um, she went back to several places of things that, that were awful to her, awful to see, awful to feel, and um, couldn't move forward because of she, her parents weren't loving there. And it's, it's kind of like one of those nebulous things. It's like her parents weren't like abusive, but she still had things in her life that was very unsightly. And we could see it that way. Her husband wasn't, anyway, we went through every one of these things. And every time we did this, I'd rebuke more and more what the sight was going on, and her sight is halfway healed now. I mean, she now has better sight than she's ever had. And I didn't pray for her. I, well, okay, I prayed for her eyes afterwards, but most of the time when people come to me, I don't, I will, when people come to my office, they come in from typically mental health. I mean, more come out for physical issues, mental health issues, but they have this physical issue going on, and I'll know the connection. I pray for the emotional issue and I don't typically pray for the physical and that gets healed anyway. They leave, pray, they leave healed anyway because it's the emotional is the origin, especially if you're already Jesus in you. I t sometimes I just pray just for the sake they know I prayed for it. it usually, they're, usually they're healed anyway. Do you have a sub subsequent...
the, the fact that you brought that up, that is, then that's a yes. So whenever I ask a question, even if they don't answer the way I ask it, but it still comes up to something that's connected to it, then that's, the, that's Holy Spirit telling you to go there. Because it's all connected. I had a woman that had cancer of the tongue, and uh, when we got rid of the things that people said to her and things that she said, that started getting better. Did you have a question? Okay, well, okay, so in my book, well, first of all, I do believe in uh, caring for yourself, too. So there's, I, I primarily work with naturopathic physicians and just people that really care for yourself. I do believe in supplements and so on and so forth. So we need to nurture our body. Okay, so in the book, um, the other book, that I, the book I wrote with Randy is um, Finding Victory and Healing Doesn't Happen. In that book, I think one of the chapters, I think it's the third chapter, Okay, so I'm in Brazil, and um, and we're at the airport in Ghana, and Guiana, Brazil. Huge, huge airport, so like just huge. And so I'm around the table. There was 50 or 60 of us that went many years ago, and um, I didn't know everybody. So there was 10 of us sitting around there, and there was a couple. They were both in their uh, early 70s, and so um, and she is the in one of the states in in the United States. She is a the uh, director of the prayer rooms of her ch large church and a pretty well-known person in the church. So she um, was talking about, the subject came up that she, her, her knees were being, um, her knees were hurting her. They hurt through the whole seven days we were there. And I said to her, and to me in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, we just came from seeing incredible miracles and this woman is leaving with pain, with pain in her in her knees, it made no sense. So I said to her. So I spoke up and I said, "Well, how much pain do you have? Zero to ten in your knees?" She said, 20. So I said to her. So I went over to sit next to her, or I think I switched places with somebody. I said, "Do you mind if I pray with her?" She said, well, "Absolutely no," because we were all learned it, you know. So, um, so, but it was odd to me because given this person that the, her stature at the church that wasn't being healed. So I said to her, um, uh, tell me, how long has this been going on? She said, for seven years. I said, how, and I said, for, well, what happened seven years ago? And then she paused. Whenever there's a pause, that means there's something involved, like an emotion involved. I mean, you can want to think about it, but typically you put it away because you don't want to think about it. So she said, um, this person that her husband and her, who was sitting next to her, the husband, had this business and they had a partner and I guess he hurt them um, and um, he betrayed them. I mean, she, she didn't come out right and say that, but that was the essence. So I said, um, so in my spirit, I hear this word uh, failure, like I'm supposed to do something with this, failure. And like, I don't want to bring this up because that's just a negative word. So eventually... I said, does the word failure mean anything to you? And at that moment, she had a tear come down her eye. Now, whenever you, one tear can move a whole emotional mountain. Okay, so she had this tear come down. I said to her, 
obviously that was a hurtful time. She said, yes, a little whimper, and then she just explained a couple of things. I said, do you mind? And I knew that that was a breaking point. Something broke, okay, because an emotion came out, right? So I said, can I, pr can I pray for your knee now? And so that was my opportunity to open the door. If I prayed for her before, I don't think much would happen. So we did that. I put, with permission, I put my hand on her knee. I prayed for that. In the name of Jesus, be gone. Be the the uh, cellular memory and physical trauma and any um, cellular memory trauma and emotional trauma be gone. In the name of Jesus, thank you for the healing. In the name of Jesus. And by the way, her she had bone on bone. I said, in the name of Jesus, um, what, what is that stuff in between? So, uh, cartilage, yeah, the cartilage we grow in Jesus' name. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. I said, how much pain do you have now? She said, two. Okay, so I said, so what I do is I like to have people act in faith. So I said to her, like, I want you to get up now quickly because the longer you delay, the more the doubts may come. I said, I want you to get up and walk around of this large area and then come back and just thank you, Jesus, for my healing. Kind of like that Joan Hunter thing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, right? <laughs> And, and so she came back to me, and she goes, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I haven't been able to do this in seven years. And said, I feel squishiness growing in my knees. <laughs> so it was because of that tear. All right, so I knew we had to release something. So anyway, okay, so here's what I want to, you know, um, what I want to do is uh, do a, a demonstration uh, and then, because uh, I wanted to do a lot more, we just got into a lot more, and I wanted to have everybody practice on each other. So let me do a demonstration, and um, let me see, I want to ask Holy Spirit who we want to ask. Because um, I can do some later, and we're going to do some definitely later, and then um, uh, we're going to do a little demonstration, and then we're going to pray, each other's going to bring pair off, and then pray with each other, and just, just, do it and just pray. Don't worry about it. Um, just try this on the back. If you have any questions, I'll be answering it. Then we'll talk about it afterwards in terms of what your experiences were. So is there somebody here? Somebody here have a shoulder pain? Shoulder pain and it goes up their neck. Uh, on the left side. <laughs> you do? No, I want to use... I wanna use I want to use you. <laughs> All right, so um, can I have uh, somebody that could stand behind her? Not that anything's going to happen, but. Uh, all right, do you want to do that? Here, sit like this. All right, so, all right, so, um, um, so let's say I've already prayed with her, but because if you know a person's already been prayed for, I'm not going to do that first step one. I'm just going to go right to step two because I know you've been prayed for and I know, you know, typically you don't want it and so on. Okay, so explain me again. I'm going to go through the card. So tell me again where uh, it's located. Okay. All right, so, all right, so do you mind if I do, you don't mind, you, I know you don't mind teaching, okay. Okay, so what's going to happen is because I know this means uh, over-responsibility and I know you have to learn that. And she learned it because she's too smart to do that on purpose. Like, why would I take on that much responsibility and hurt myself with it? That means she learned it somewhere. It's an emotional issue. Um, our motivation out of emotion 
when it's negative emotion that motivates us is always stronger and greater than the logic to know better. Right? Even Paul said that in Romans 7. I don't know why I do the things that I hate that I do. But his was a sin, but the point it was still an issue. Sin, remember, is still an emotional origin. So I know that. And then this, of course, is, a, is a more of like a, uh, there's somebody who's a pain in your neck, okay? <laughs> Right now, you don't have to tell me who it is. Right, I don't need to know, right? Right, so, okay, so just go to that person, all right? I'm assuming that's, I'm assuming you have one, right? Which one? <laughs> no, that's good. Well, you, that's good. All right, well, all right. All right, you got that? Yeah. All right, so. Hey, okay, so. That's all right, but it's going to be the same feeling. Okay, so what? So then we're exploring our search. So I have an idea. What's the, uh, so I'm hearing that I know where the function is and I told you what it is. Now, I don't have, I don't have them all of them memorized. The ones that are showing you on the card are the most common ones. And there are times in my office I'll literally have to go to my book and find out, right? So. Okay, so what is the feeling that you have when you think about these people? Sad, okay. Anything else? How about like, um, how about um, anger and aggravation? Which, which, yeah, that's typically the case because that's what this is, and you saw it on the card. This is the burden bearer of responsibility. This is aggravation because I can't make this happen, all right? Okay, so... Um, Go to that feeling. Now, because because uh, her, even if I didn't know her and I would be talking to her a little bit, uh, she's, uh, because of um, your wisdom, your age, your, your um, born again, Jesus in your heart. So I know that this is not a now issue because why would she do this if, she, if it would hurt us? We wouldn't do something if we knew that. So, so what I want you to do is, who's a, do you have a safe person that will comfort you, like an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, uh, old friend, but back then or now? Okay, so, okay good. And then, and then Jesus, of course. I would ask them, uh, do you feel uh, safe with Jesus? I'd actually ask that person. I, I know he does for you, but that's what I ask for because we don't know. I've had many people that are angry at Jesus because he wasn't there when I was abused. Okay, so put your hands across your chest. All right, so just see Jesus there and your friend or the person comforting you. What I want you to do is, Holy Spirit, will you take Stephanie back in time in her life where she first felt this feeling of somebody important to her that she felt aggravated with, and I'm going to add a word, disappointed with, and hurt by. So because this has to be a learned behavior, Right? So go to that. You got to see it? Right. Now, I typically don't. The cool thing about it is I don't need to know the details. She does. Like, I just, and we don't need to know now, but usually I ask them, let's say when I'm private with them, I'll ask them, give me an age and give me a feeling. It's typically the same feelings, but the age is typically somewhere earlier, before 12-ish. Okay, give me an age. Five, okay. The earlier, the more severe, and the more hurtful. 
because I have no logic to understand why, and they take it all on believing it's them. We do. Okay, you got that? All right. All right, so go to that. So what I want you to do is, now, I can, just because she feels safe with me, I'll just give her a little love hug, and that releases her from having to do it. If you don't want to get close to them, have them tap. All I'm doing is I'm helping them release it by, by that safe person giving you a little love hug, and it's going to be okay. Now, can that little girl feel safe? There you go. You're releasing it. Release it. Release it. not yours to keep anymore. Give you a love. Just let it go. Let it go. It's not yours to keep. What do you see happening for that little girl? Take a minute. Would you, would you, sorry, will you come up here? I just want somebody to hold the mic because I want your hands free. Oh, gotcha. So I'm um, five years old, and I can see myself walking in the back of the door of my mom's house. And I w- was just, we were outside playing in the snow, and it was a really cold Michigan winter, and he had told us to put our gloves on before we went outside, but I forgot. And I came in, and my hands were really cold. And I was like, oh, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. And I was just looking for, you know, a hug or whatever. Um, but he was really angry, and he ended up spanking us all and yelling at us and stuff. And it's so stupid. I'm like, why am I upset about this? But I remember being, like, so scared. And then he whipped all of us. Like, he whipped all my brothers and all my sisters. And I was really angry, like, this is overboard. Like, who are you? And it's like I can, can see myself going, like, I don't know, like, at that moment, like, I need to protect my brothers and sisters from you. Like, that's the the burden part, I think, that I'm feeling. I can feel the pain leaving my left shoulder right now. Like, you're not safe, and I'm not going to let you hurt us anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just let it go. Yeah. You're doing good. Close your eyes and just see yourself releasing it. Like, you're giving it away. So you have that. <laughs> I just, uh. That friend is standing between you and your dad. Yeah. Because the girl was never safe. Mm-mm. You would have never had that if your dad gave you that hug. Yeah. Or if somebody else was there, like your mom said, tell right. him to stop, and then she gave you the hug. You would process it out, Jesus. and it will be gone. We Jesus. wouldn't even be talking about this. I'm, there's pain leaving my back legs where they connect to my hips, too. I just said a vision of, like, Jesus putting his hand on for my father's chest and saying, stop, like, forcefully stopping him from hitting us. back, far back. Release it in the name of Jesus. Release it. Release it now. What you could do is you more release it now. In Jesus' name, release it. Release it. Release it now. In Jesus' name, release it off the back. Release it right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Release it. Yes. 
it's it's leaving my lower le- my upper legs too or my in the name of Jesus I release yeah. the ear gate trauma of what you heard in the name of Jesus I release the eye gate trauma of what you saw in the spanking of your siblings and yourself and the mental trauma of what you felt that you've held on to all these years it's not yours to keep anymore release it now and bring the spirit of peace shalom and love and comfort in Jesus name peace 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 in Jesus name say that again Yes, yeah, so tension as you were praying in my neck and throat right here where in my vocal cords disappeared too and then the pain in my left shoulder is completely gone. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, check your, um, okay, now let's, let's just do one thing now. I was just going to see if it's working. Hold yeah, on. it feels a lot better. Okay, hold on a minute. So what we now want to do is um, go close your eyes Okay. so you're still hugged. Yep. I want to create a new normal. Oh, yeah, can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. So see that girl now mm-hmm. with your dad there and, G- and your friend in Jesus. Mm-hmm. In spite of your dad, what do you see? And this is in the book. What do you see on the girl's face? A smile, frown, or flat look? It's like I'm clinging to Jesus' side and I'm, I feel safe. And what do you think would be on her face? Oftentimes people, when they, okay, this is one of the, it, one of the things that happens is that I can release these things and people think like it's over, but I would ask them, what do you see happening on their face? Because they could still have a, the pain could be gone, but I could still have a flat face or a not smiling yet, which means I still have a feeling of disappointment because something wasn't happening. Yeah, it's flat line. I mean, I feel safe now, but it's still flat line. Okay, typically hurt is first and then disappointment and then anger is last because we don't want to let go of anger because we're afraid that it may, I may make it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so now what I want you to do is let go of that disappointment that you got, the spanking instead of a hug. Just see yourself giving that to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, it's like, it's like I see me handing him the word disappointment. All right, so I went ahead of her. Typically Jesus. I would ask, what does she f- you think the girl feels now? It's all exploration. So you'd say you'd say disappointment or something mm-hmm. like that. Can you see it let going? Yeah. What do you see on the girl's face now? What, what, She's what, what starting to giggle like hee hee. <laughs> but it's I can see my eyes darting back to my dad like I'm still upset with him. Okay. Well, you know, now the anger comes. Yeah. Here we go. It's like I see Jesus grabbing my hand and saying, "Don't do to him what you did to you." Just let it go. You're doing good. Let it go. You're doing really well. Release it more. Give her more. In Jesus' name, release more, Lord. Release more peace. Peace because you can. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. What are you feeling now? It's like it's kind of slowly melting away. Let it go. In Jesus' name. Let it go. I just saw Jesus like, it's like I saw anger as a shield, and it's like he took it, and he said, you don't need this anymore, and he gave me like a different shield, a shield of faith. There you go. And that's why, again, remember, we we will not let go of something. We don't even know why we're holding on to it, but I'm not going to let go of something if, if I choose to keep it for a reason. 
Jesus won't let it go. Yeah, it's like I was using it to protect me. Aren't it was it? tall. It was like from the top of my head to the and bottom of my feet. And then you meet people in your life that do some more harm to you when they don't understand it. And then we hold on to it and it makes that anger stronger. Yeah. Like it's a stake in the ground. Yeah. Okay, and then I can't let go of it for now. And I try and try and I can't because it's not a now issue. You would do it if because you're a smart woman. Yeah. And because I know that, this is not a now issue. It's just very common sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Just let that go. <laughs> and as soon as he said let it go and I've got the new shield it's like I saw the word of God like the sword it's like he's like okay we're going to teach you how to use the sword but I can see spirits on either side of him and it's almost like Jesus is teaching me not to use it against a person but against the spirits on either side there you go it's like I can see them kind of pulling his puppet strings so it's a different perspective so what's on the girl's face now she's happy she's smiling does mm-hmm. she okay so, um Say, Dad, I didn't like what you did. Dad, I did not like what you did. It really hurt me. It really hurt me. And I don't like to be hurt. And I don't like to be hurt. I didn't have choices then. I did not have choices then. But I do now. But I do now. So this is in the book also. It's another step just to declare something, to let go and then declare. So we're changing her whole mindset of how she sees things. And what will happen is when we come back to the now, It'll be totally different. The people now won't even be an issue. Hmm. So go back and say, say um, but I, I realize now. I realize now. I do, have, I do have choices. I do have choices. I choose never to like what you actually did to me. I choose never to like what you actually did to me. But I choose to forgive you. But I choose to forgive and you. And not hold on to this. And not hold on to this. So you have no more control over me. So you have no more control I over me. I am free. I am free. I'm out of here. I am out of here. <laughs> when you said, I'm out of here, it's like I saw me wield the sword of my head and cut the puppet strings, and then it was like I was going for the puppet strings over him. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, come on. All right, so yeah, let's, let's finish up real quick. Okay. All right, so what I want you to do is go back, uh, now come to now. Okay. Okay, now go back to the same person or people okay. the way they are. Yeah, now, one's totally gone. Right, what about the other one? Uh, that person is, the one is still there. All right, what's it like with that person? Who's got the problem? Well, first of all, regarding the dad and the girl, who had the problem between your dad and your mom, your, and you as a little girl? Who the was dad. Right. Yeah. If the dad, because the dad had a problem, did the girl have to have a problem? Mm-mm. Okay, go back to now. Okay. And see this person. Mm-hmm. Who's, in terms of that person and you, who has the problem? She does, and I don't feel angry anymore. Okay, so do you have to have a problem if she's got the problem? No. Okay, so what's it like now? Do you have to stay in that? No. Right, do, do, so can you leave? Yeah. Are you free now? Yeah. Say, I am free. I am free. There you go. Mm-hmm. So check out your body. Yeah, my shoulder feels great, and the pain back here is almost gone. Okay. It's like I, as you were praying, it was bleeding where my legs connect to my hips and back. Okay, because oh, you didn't talk about that before. You were just talking it about moved. this. It, this was gone, and right. it was like I could feel it going All right. Well, that's just because you're, this issue then, that you, it went to the other area of difficulty moving forward in life uh-huh. because of probably circumstances sure. in your life. Sure. It's difficult for you to move forward, and you feel stuck, mm-hmm. and that's what that is. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. So what I want you to do is to, uh, to just stay there and then pray for over the stuck feeling of like not moving forward because of circumstances in your life have probably changed. Yeah. So you release that. Mm-hmm. And you might want to release it if that's 
difficult, go back to a time where if your dad was that way, chances are he was that way with you and that stopped you from being able to be like that little girl. So your circumstance now reminds you of that, that I can't be the big girl to do what I want because my dad didn't let me do what I wanted as a little girl. Right. That's the connection. Because it doesn't make sense. Why would you still feel that way? Because of who you know you have and are in Christ is because somebody else, my first God, made me feel that way, so I transferred that to my second God. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, co- it's, it's just so common. Okay. All right. All right, so, so, all right, so let's do this now. What I want to do is, um, and do, I'd like to everybody um, to stand up, and then uh, what I want to do is just find a partner, somebody, and just talk to the other person, even if there's something just feeling a certain way, if it's a physical issue, emotional issue, find somebody and just practice with the other person and take turns in finding something. If you need to, um, like, do three people, that's fine. But if you're going to have one, if it's just two people, that's good, too. Do you want to uh, work with them? She's going to work with you. Yeah. Oh.
two, three, okay. So just um, finish up, and then we can have just a little bit of time of talking. Okay, so can we uh, kind of uh, come to a close and we can have just a few minutes and then anybody have any word that they'd like to give about what's happened? Do you have a, do you have a, um, a cordless mic? Yeah, like one of those. All right. Sometimes people don't like to come up here, you know, it's just, we're just trying to be sweet. All right, I'm trying to be. What, like this? Well, I just use this one. Yeah. We'll just do an interview. All right. So, um, what, um, anybody have an experience they'd like to share? Um, that uh, a thought or an experience, anything have like from um, maybe about like 50% healing of some sort or some kind of breakthrough they'd like to share. Is that a yes? I just, um, I have a brittle bone condition and that means I have had a lot of pressures and the 
it's been the last couple of weeks I've had another another one and um, it was really starting to hurt today and right now the pain's gone completely. Okay, thank you, Jesus. All right, anybody else have share something? Anybody have a question? Um, so at 7 o'clock, what I want to do is more of this and answer more questions. And if Tony has a question about what you did today, now, or a question of what I've talked about already, or we'll do some more demonstration. Um, <clears throat> and then we can just generally healing, come on up and heal. We can pray for each other. That way, because it's just not enough time for, for what we went through. So I want to give more time, and that's why we're doing it at 7. Yeah, so the question is, do I do he, uh, seminar or um, training? Um, I do. Um, somebody asked me that. Uh, yes, this gentleman asked me. So um, aside from my 35 clients a week that I see and, and people from all over the world, I'm trying to create a, um, a, training, a training manual, though the, um, the, the green book really is a training manual. But it doesn't give all as much detail because it'd be too big. So um, with this, this today is a training. All right. Now it's really a matter of my spending more time on the second part of it, and we could do more. And um, but when I go around, people have to experience this before they want to experience more. And so uh, that's what you know. I can do more training, like for example, at seven we could do more. So. I encourage people to do this. I've, I've worked with uh, healing uh, teams. I do go to churches and, and teach an advanced course for people that are already doing See, I, The other problem is I don't know where everybody is. Some could be very novices. Some could be very advanced in terms of where you are. So this is more of a general overview. And then I get invited to healing uh, to churches and do then teaching, advanced teaching a couple hours with healing teams on like a Friday night or Saturday morning, then we can have a, uh, a healing service, for example, that night or, one of, or like this during the day. And then the healing team can help me do this and that's part of their training to help me. So, um, and so a matter of just finding the time to do it as well as really doing this more, really what it comes down to because this really is all there is to it, except you know having more questions. So uh, that may help. And a lot of it is just do just doing it the Nike way, you know. So and uh, and then uh, and then I can um, and that's why you can sign up on my sheet out there when I'm going to be other places and and go through it again. Or if somebody has a church, I don't know what church you go to, invite me to your church and I'll do it there. So what? Well, then, then rent a place, and I'll go out there. Am <laughs> um, I taking new clients? Well, well, I'll explain it this way. Uh, in Michigan, I'm licensed in Michigan. So if somebody has a, I, I have two ways people can see me. <clears throat> I, my uh, office workers kind of don't want me to bring this up. <clears throat> 
So um, we have, at Masterpiece Counseling, we're located to come see. <coughs> we have seven therapists. I'm the only one that does this. Uh, so, but typically over the 28 years I've been there, I was in, I was in hospitals before that. I, um, the most we've ever had over 28 years is like 25, 30 at the most on a waiting list, which we could handle with seven therapists. Well, now with this thing called that COVID thing, um, we have, uh, we've had up to 80 people on our wait list. Now it's 66. So we get briefed every, every week about where it is at. But the thing is, uh, for me, I get like my own because of this. And they always know when I have a seminar. So if, if there's a lot of pathology, a lot of stuff going on, you can sign up, you can call my office. It's on the sheet out there, on, on, the, on the book sheet. And <clears throat> if you don't get healed here first. And I'm, there's about a four to six wait list, week list, to get to see me. Or if it could be sooner, depending on if we have cancellations. Otherwise, if it's outside of Michigan, or it could be in Michigan, it's my ministry. So outside of Michigan, I do the same thing, but I have to call it ministry because I'm not licensed outside of Michigan. So I do the same thing. And uh, in Michigan, through my office, we diagnose, and just like you would, and you get a diagnosis, and insurance pays for it. Outside of Michigan, uh, it's free. Um, but people can donate by, and that way, I only do one or two sessions, though, because we go right after it. I don't do a lot of introductory stuff. You're not in my office. We just do ministry, and boom. Right now, if you need more in Michigan, I always recommend if there's a lot more, then you know, sign up to be a client. But otherwise, uh, we go after it. And I, I'm not set up to do long-term therapy. I'm not even set up to do counseling on my ministry part. But if you go to my website, there's two websites. One is my ministry, which is what this is out of, Insights from the Heart. And then um, Masterpiece Counseling is the other one, which is for, for counseling. So I don't know if that helps. But So you could do either one or both. Start out with a call. You can email me. It's on the form out there, on sheet, the book sheet. You can email me and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I saw you at so-and-so, and then I'd like to sign up, and I'd, I'd send you some information about how to do that, get on a list. I'm about two to three weeks out on that one. And then you can start out with that one, see how far you go, because I can't do a lot on that one, because I'm not set up on for, for long periods of time, because I get too many calls around the world for that. I'm not, so I'm more set up to do longer term in my office. Since you're in Michigan, I don't talk like this when I'm outside of Michigan because we can't do it that way. I'm not licensed. So, does that make sense? So, yeah, so you go on my line, go online. I have tons of stuff on there. Uh, there's uh, TV shows, there's radio shows, there's um, a lot of seminars that I've done. It's on there. Just look it up uh, on my website, Insights from the Heart. Yeah, and then I also, obviously, as I go wherever I'm, I do, I've had a lot of cancellations over the last year, but obviously I'm just kind of beginning to start to get picked up again. But uh, every, every church is different depending on where you are. Yes, yeah, and, and I, you know, people want, they can, um, 
look on the on my online. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, information on there about this kind of stuff on there. But other seminars I've done just like this. This one's a little bit more honed down. I I used to do a six hour one. They give you. Well, this is about three to four hours, yeah, four hours. But the other one is about adding two more with a lot more information on it. So I've honed it down to this. But I can go places and do more advanced work, and I have done that. I've gone to churches and then come back and done more advanced work. Because there's more to do, but I can only do so much. People can only take so much information. And, um, and then that's why we want to do the 7 o'clock, which I don't typically do, uh, I mean, in most places. But that's why we can afford to do that, by just coming back and getting more of what you want to learn. Questions, demonstration. If you've got something you want to get rid of tonight, we'll do that. All right, so it's and it'll be for free for whatever, right? Oh yeah, take an offering, right? Well, I just put it in the offering. All right, any other questions before we go to dinner? All right, so let me just pray over you, Lord. We just thank you that what we, what you've given those those that cannot stay, Lord. We just thank you that you go and give them peace and also revelation, and we thank you for the healing that you have for them that you've already paid for. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you would be with us until we meet again at 7. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, Learn about our speakers and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you. We love you. Have a blessed day.